welcome to episode 342 of the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. My name is Melissa Ellis and I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri country. And I am Ollie Spake and I'm joining from Dharawal country. And we're back. We're back after a bit of a break and after the festival of Mel. So happy birthday, Mel. How was your birthday? Oh, thank you. Had a lovely birthday. I was very spoilt and had a lot of happy things going on, so no complaints. So thank you, everybody, for um, allowing me to have a week off and uh, not be under that extra pressure of getting the podcast out. Yeah, look, we do have a supportive community who um, do reach out and support a number of ways, and I'm glad you're able to enjoy the birthday there, Mel, and I look forward to hearing a bit more about some of your recent adventures because that's what happens when we take a week off. Um well, when we both do, I mean, I had a couple of weeks off recently and uh, you and Sarah steered the ship remarkably, but this time we've got a bit of catching up to do. So, yeah, strap in, everyone. We have roving reports to catch up on. We have new roving reports. Uh, our office lady is going to bring us the Backyard Ultra world record holder, Phil Gore, um, who we can't wait to hear from again. And, of course, Club Corner coming up a bit later, but... Um, yeah, I think we just need to get started, Mel. And given it's been your birthday, I think it's time to hear about your parkrun adventures. Oh, well, thank you. I didn't even think to uh, recap the previous week. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all about this week anyway, Ollie. So I headed to the west side to join my friends Sarah Jefferson and Matt Stevens for a big adventure. I flew across the country Thursday morning so we could get an early start on our nine-hour road trip up the west coast to Baxter Park Run in Carnarvon on the land of the Yingara people. The attraction in Baxter Park Run, aside from it being, at time of planning, the final event my hosts needed to regain their statesmanship, was that when it launched back in December 2022, it became the most westerly parkrun in Australia and a big attraction for those interested in completing the Aussie version of the Compass Club. Carnarvon is approximately 900 kilometres north of Perth and that meant that our travels took us over and above the 26th parallel, something Sarah and Matt seemed quite excited about but left me slightly puzzled. If, like me, you are new to such concepts, the 26th parallel is a circle of latitude that is 26 degrees south of the Earth's equatorial plane. The parallel divides Australia east to west and also forms the northernmost border of South Australia with the Northern Territory and Queensland. The 26th parallel is between Geraldton and Carnarvon and we stopped to take photos with the brown signs which mark the location. Also of interest is that parkrun policy dictates that all events above the 26th parallel in WA have a start time of 7am and there are now six events that do so, Baxter, Hampton Oval, Bayview Road, Port Hedland, Town Beach and Kununurra. The previous most westerly parkrun, Marina Parkrun, is an 8am start as it falls south of the latitude. We arrived in Carnarvon around 4pm on Friday, giving us enough time for a stroll around town, taking in the Fascine boardwalk lined with coconut and cotton palms and numerous local murals before enjoying a fantastic dinner at the Carnarvon Motel's Hot Rock Grill, where we were also staying. It was event 30 at Baxter Park Run and we joined a crowd of 29 who gathered as the sun started to rise. Aside from ourselves, most of the participants were tourists coming from as far away as the UK, 
across to East Richmond in New South Wales. I was surprised to recognise a familiar face amongst the volunteers with WA park runner Dan Baldwin also in attendance. Dan and Sandy Delamere are currently the only two WA statesmen having been fortunate to be in the vicinity of Broome when Town Beach launched a few weeks back. Now the course, starting in Baxter Park, it is a double out and back on cement path following along the Fascine with a short finger on the left towards the tram bridge just before the turnaround point at David Brand Drive. There are toilets available as well as fitness equipment and a playground for the kids. Parking is available although we took a short stroll from our motel and left the car at home. I enjoyed my run immensely with plenty of opportunities to high-five the field as you pass by and one of my quicker times this year. Afterwards, Sarah grabbed a quick interview with local Renee Williamson, which we'll listen to a bit later, and we enjoyed a coffee at the old post office cafe in the main street before wandering the very busy Saturday market. Afterwards, we headed out to discover the Fruit Loop Trail. Carnarvon is known as the food bowl of Western Australia and is abundant with tropical fruits, seafood and fruit and vegetables. Plantations line the banks of the Gascoigne River and the Fruit Loop is a self-drive tour taking you past lush plantations and farm gate shops. There is even a cactus garden to explore. From there, we stopped by the Space and Technology Museum, opened in 2012 by Buzz Aldrin. Here you will find the Sugar Scoop, which is the Cass Horn antenna. On the 21st of July 1969, the day of the Apollo 11 moon landing, the Cass Horn antenna, which stands beside the OTC dish, relayed Neil Armstrong's first steps on the moon from NASA's Honeysuckle Creek tracking station to Perth's TV audience via Moree Earth Station and the first live telecast into Western Australia. Fun fact. Wow. Saturday night we stayed at the Wurrimal Station. Now this is 120 kilometres south of Carnarvon on the banks of the Wurrimal River. Wurrimal Station is a working cattle station that offers camping and tent accommodation, therapeutic artesian boar baths from the Bindrong Aquifer and the Upside Down Cafe. The cafe offers nightly dinner and is a relaxed communal activity with live music while you cook your own food on the barbecue. And there is just so much to like about this experience from the amazing sights of the Milky Way. Now, I haven't seen the Milky Way, I don't think, since I was a little kid. But out there, gosh, it was really magical. To a chance encounter in the artesian bath with a fellow traveller who, when we explained we were travelling to do parkrun, said she had a friend from Melbourne who is riding to parkrun. Who, we asked, our eyes widening as we explained the high likelihood that I would know the unnamed friend. Andrew Johnston, she said. And we laughed, as of course, not only do we know Andrew as an adventurer, but I had seen him at juniors the previous Sunday. (laughs) Now, I could go on and on, but this is going to be a bumper pod and my recap is already longer than usual. But I do want to say another huge thank you to Sarah and Matt. Despite the fact I didn't get to see Winston on this visit, you gave me precious happy memories to keep forever. And for that, I am very grateful. That sounds like a lovely time and, uh, yeah, very jealous of, well, maybe a bit less less than jealous of the road trip but uh, of the experience overall, Mel. You paint a great word picture there. Oh, I just brushed over everything, Ollie, but mm. it was just, oh, I can't say how rich in experience the, I don't know, how long was I even there for? It didn't feel like very long. It was... <laughs> <laughs> 
it was only two nights in um, mm, mm. the Carnarvon area. I think Sarah wrote down how many kilometres we did in those three days. Um, and I've not got it to hand. But anyway, uh-huh. it was a very, very, very long way. It looks a very, very, very long way. Yeah. 1,860 kilometres return. Mm. Yes, yes. And listeners, <laughs> um, Mel hasn't slept much since she's gotten back. So um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's all be kind to Mel and appreciate the fact that somehow she's podcasting uh, on fumes. That's right. I got in last night. Yeah. I got in my house at 1am, not last night, this morning. Yes. And then I was up at half past five to go to work, so. Of course you were. I'm a little bit wired. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, let's keep this thing going uh, before Mel falls asleep on us all. But, uh, I look, I can't match that experience. It was a, a fantastic one. Uh, and needless to say, um, you know, I, I was local again. I was volunteering at the weekend just gone, Mel. So I'm glad you had a good recap because aside from the fact that I, I got to take along my barcode scanning buddy, Ava, who now just seems to get a big kick out of coming to Parkrun and volunteering, um, it was it was a stock standard nice winter's morning. That's it. There's a lot to be said for those. That's right. There certainly is. But anyway, I guess also while we've been gone, there has been a bit of news in the, well, not just the parkrun world, but the parkrun tourism world. There has, Ollie. So on the 10th of July, 2023, we'll throw that in there for future context, Mm -hmm. Parkrun Global published an open letter to tourists from Chief Operating Officer Tom Williams regarding number challenges. We shared the accompanying Facebook post on our socials, which did cause some controversy. Whilst many adventurers can understand the request and agree with a touch of sadness that sometimes we need to think of the bigger picture and the greater good, we acknowledge that there are also listeners who have become angered with the request and also feel that it is not something that we, as an adventuring podcast, should comment on. Ollie, I am happy to go out on my own here by saying that I feel despite our position as an unofficial Parkrun podcast, that we have a responsibility to bring topics to the listener to make informed decisions. We choose to align ourselves with the Parkrun ethos and we choose to bring their messages to the community, whether it be good, bad or otherwise. Yeah, no, th- that is right. And and look, we've made no secret of the fact that we support the silent launches um, and we did lightheartedly use our fine system to spread that message in what we thought was a, a non-confrontational way. Um, as we now choose not to comment or read out in the pod, readers' comments from launches. We will also now omit those relating to Fibonacci's and Nelson events. But that doesn't mean that um, you, as a listener, are being told what to do. It simply means we're being cognizant of the message we choose to broadcast. Uh, Our friends at With Me Now have covered the topic of the numbers challenges quite well in their last episode, and we invite you all to listen to that for more clarity if you haven't already uh, than than what we can offer. But um, (laughs) it was news I actually caught on the delay, Mel. Yeah, needless to say, a bit of surprise correspondence from Parkrun for me, but... um, not necessarily a surprise overall. And I think it's worth mentioning, Ollie, that Parkrun has come under criticism in the past for not putting it in writing when they have particular views on things. They were criticised for never mm. making it public their stance on launches or yeah. silent launches. Uh, and re- more recently they have said that their 
making more effort with their communications to improve. And I think this is an example of that Mm. where they Mm. have come out, they have made a statement and they have appealed to the wider population and they've given their reasons. So I think they're to be applauded for that as well. Yeah. But with that said... And with our content in mind, why don't we move along? Yes, that's right. We do have some roving reports, as promised, to catch up. And what we're going to hear is picking up from our last uh, podcast, episode 341, uh, from Sarah from the West Side over in Malaysia, and then a swather of roving reports to follow. So let's have a listen. I'm here with Helen and Steve Davis. It's nice to see you both again. Um, Congratulations on something quite big, I hear. Which one of you would like to explain what you've been up to? To Uh, Well, we've just this morning achieved our Hof badge, which is um, 12 consecutive countries. And yeah. Wow, quite a um, big achievement. Congratulations. Quite an adventure. Yeah. yeah, quite it's an adventure. Been, been a massive adventure. I'm assuming lots of planning went into that. Uh, in the original um, eight park runs, a lot of planning went in. And then when we got the call to go to New Zealand, we had to try and factor that in on top of our big Europe trip. And that was due to visiting family that were over from Johannesburg and we thought if we changed one of our park runs which was scheduled which was doubling up one in Sweden that if we changed that and went to Austria that would make it a different country Mm. and then we only had to add one other country on top of Australia when we got back so it did take a little bit of jiggling around but we got there in the end yep and got a trip into Malaysia got a trip yep got my Malaysia badge yep and Steve what happened at the start there was a bit of a mix up of countries or something was there with the at the start of your trip yes at the start of the trip we did uh two in the UK so that was no co- ah, so that made it not consecutive yeah. but yeah, um, but having just done 14 countries we were able to catch up yeah <laughs> yeah what an achievement okay I'm going to put you on the spot so if you were to pick one of the the 12 countries that would rate your highest or let's say two if you can't pick one um, what would be even uh, I guess your favourite parkrun experience or yeah, might, travel story no, yeah. the, the best parkrun experience goes down with no question no to Vax Joe in Sweden Sweden, their National Unity Day, park uh, run, National, oh, Day. National Day that we did was just spectacular. They normally have 22, 27 park runners, and um, they were very embracing of all the park run tourists turning up. They were well planning ahead for us, and we actually, uh, I think it was 724 oh, were park runners in the end, but it was the, the most best organised event I have ever been to, even wow. on top of paid runs and things like that wow. it was, and, but, but 700 people were, were 
seasoned park runners so uh, anybody would jump in and volunteer and yeah. everybody pitched in and helped and it was just uh, you know such a happy event yeah, yeah great and do you go around and um, do some recording of of courses I hear I did yes I did a few while we were traveling yeah um, so I'm getting better at it <laughs> so video recording just for the listeners at home so running with a like a selfie stick yep. type thing while you run and is the video on the whole time or Stop um, no, st- stop and start, and then I um, assemble it into something that's watchable at the end. Yeah, yeah great. Mm. Very um, very unique. Cool. Yes. Well, congratulations to you both. Um, what is it, Hoffman? Hoffman? Hoffman. Hoffbadge. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. So this morning I'm here with Harry. Hi, Harry. Hello, everyone. Thank you for um, being an amazing chauffeur this morning, coming and picking us up at quarter past six in the morning and taking us to breakfast and coffee. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> Congratulations on your 220th park run today. Okay. Arbitrary, arbitrary. Yeah. I am looking forward to 250. I would have been there if the pandemic never happened, but I think everybody else would yeah. be saying for the other milestones that they would have achieved as well. Well, I actually had a very good time hosting all four of you here today and I hope you had an enjoyable experience at our only park run in the country. Uh, And and indeed, I I hope and and look forward uh, to seeing you all again and of course, other tourists who are also listening to this podcast. And truthfully, Sarah only wanted me to be on the podcast because I told her I will only listen to the podcast if I'm on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. So, Harry's, we're going to have one more listener next week because Harry will be listening. Uh, of course, of course. I also want to shout out to Mel. Uh, Mel had been an excellent host when I was there in July. And uh, I haven't spoke to her for a while now and I will be giving her a call soon then. So, shout out to Mel. And yeah. shout out to other adventurers as well. Hopefully, yeah. I will be with you all next year or the year after for your for your yearly gathering. The Palm. Yeah. Oh, that will be exciting. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for having us and showing us around, Harry. It's been awesome. No problem. Take care, everyone. Oh, hi, Ogozaimas, Tony San. Oh, hi, Ogozaimas. We're here in Japan at Ome Kuryu. Park run for event 51, and I've noticed the Australian accent. Um, why are you in Japan? Um, two reasons. One is to study Japanese for three months at our local language school, and the other reason is to do 13 different park runs while I'm here. How amazing! What a cool experience! Uh, it certainly is. This is my second one, and what an enchanting, beautiful run it is. Yeah, so would you like to describe um, the course to the listeners? Today? Yeah. Um, we're up in the mountains just on the edge of Tokyo and um, it's a two-lap out-and-back course which starts with a steep, 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 long, long <laughs> climb um, in a beautiful enchanting forest. Then sort of winds back down a bit to a turnaround and then another climb back up and then back down to the start to turn around again. Um, it's certainly challenging, and I would say it's one of the most beautiful park runs I've ever done anywhere. And this is, I think, my 193rd different park run around the world. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's very good. And for those Nambour park runners, my home run, um, you would love this. Yes. Um, I haven't done Nambour, but it's, it's not flat either, right? Um, or through the trail? Nambour is the hilliest, steepest 
bugger of a run you'll find anywhere. It's yes. a killer. Um, my, my local run is Victory Heights in Gympie, and that's also a lovely trail run. So um, if you like those sorts of runs, Omekuru here is right up your alley. Well, I, I know that there's a resident um, emu at um, Nambour Park Run, but I was pleased to see that the warning sign for bears, um, I guess the mascot or the, <laughs> the animal there didn't come true this morning. We didn't see a bear on course. So that was good. I was a bit worried arriving and seeing a warning for bears sign. Yeah, evidently there are bears in these forests, but they don't tend to bother you. But who knows? It would be nice to see one. <laughs> yes, and then run really fast away. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Um, when we arrived this morning, um, Tony, I did notice your shirt. It was the World Tourist uh, shirt, and then it had your name on it. So, Tony Jennings. So, could you tell us a little bit about a challenge that is named after you? Yeah, um, a few years ago, I went off to Europe, mainly Scandinavia, and I did um, seven park runs in a row and at that time I didn't know but I was the first person in the world to have done that and then a couple of years later people were talking to me asking me if I'd done a Jennings and I was a bit (laughs) confused because I didn't know what they were talking about Um, and lo and behold there was a challenge named after me called the Jennings so yes I'm he. (laughs) (laughs) There you go well it's nice to meet you. (laughs) Cheers nice to meet you too. Um, And aside from that I hear there's some other crazy things you've done to get to a park run could you please share a few of those? Um, I've cycled from Brisbane to Sydney to do um, Mosman Park Run. I've cycled from the Sunshine Coast to Bundaberg to do their run. I've kayaked from Mooloolabar down to Brisbane to do park runs. Um, Travelled on buses overnight in Europe to catch a park run when the local one's been cancelled. And been to two of the world's most northern park runs purely just to run in the coldest snowiest conditions possible and absolutely loved those. They were in um, Finland and Norway. Wow, and what a risk that they weren't cancelled. I bet you were watching um, that. Yeah, well, I, one time in Norway I was going to do a park run and at 7 o'clock Friday evening I got a message saying the park run had been cancelled. I contacted the event director and said, surely not. He said, no, the, the trail's too slippery. And I said, well, why don't you wear some bruda, which are the um, grippy um, spikes you can put on your running shoes. I said, that's what the locals do, and I've been practising in them. And he said, no, sorry, it's too risky. So I thought, hmm, Vikings are not that tough. But anyway, <laughs> so that evening I looked around and found out that all the park runs in Sweden had been cancelled and the closest park run was about 900 kilometres away in Denmark, in Copenhagen. So at 10 o'clock that night I jumped on a bus, went overnight and ended up half past eight in the morning in Copenhagen for a nine o'clock start. Just in time. So I got there just in time (laughs) and made some very, very lovely friends there in Denmark, Um, Gert and Ricky Nissen, who um, I caught up with the next time I went back there and they took me over to Sweden for a run when we did a double. And I met some lovely people in Finland and um, and in Norway. Um, So, yeah, parkrun gets you around and you get to meet a lot of nice people. Mm. Yeah, what an adventure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're very lucky to have um, picked this park run um, that you were at today and to have, to have met you and, and heard a little bit about your life. So thanks for sharing that with us and um, enjoy the rest of your, your three months here in Japan. Um, Very ab- jealous. Ab- absolutely. And it was lovely to meet the pair of you coming from Perth and actually 
living close to um, where I used to live, um, your home run being Cottesloe, and I used to be a member of the Northcott Surf Club, and I've done your park run, and um, yeah, I grew up in Perth, so... Nice yeah, to no, reminisce. <laughs> nice to reminisce, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it brings back memories, Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, good luck studying Japanese, and gambate kurasai. Gambate kurasai. Kyokoto, it's Alison King here reporting for the Parkrun Adventurers Across the Ditch and today I'm at Lake to Lake Trail Parkrun in Tiano with a very special guest. So welcome to the show Tom and to New Zealand, Tom yeah. Williams. <laughs> Thank you Alison, it's wonderful to be here. What's brought you to New Zealand, Tom? Oh, uh, well I've not been here before at all, in fact, or with Parkrun and so um, I'd, I'd planned to come over a while ago, then Covid struck and things kind of stopped and got pushed back and all that kind of stuff so i knew before i knew that my first trip um down under after covid would in, definitely include new zealand so um and i know the team had been to rene G and the team had been to the north island in the north of the south island so i gladly um came around the south of the south island here you've, we are you've done a bit of a whistle stop tour mm-hmm. haven't you, you yes talk us through where you've been so far can you remember i can remember just about so i landed in queenstown on thursday morning uh fairly early and then drove across to um dunedin went around the dunedin course um with tanya and the team there which was which was incredible and we had a kind of a social q a in the cafe all afternoon and then i drove to balclutha that night to stay with um, Rod and Louise and their family and we went out and walked the dog in the morning and walked a bit of the Balclutha part run course and then we had a part run breakfast um, and then where did I drive to from Balclutha I drove to Gore I think to Hamilton Park part run um, and met Bridget and the team there I think it was um, had a walk around there amazing course um, it's just amazing course after amazing course isn't it around here and then from Balclutha we drove to Invercargill and I uh, met up with you and Liz and we um, had a big park run session in the seriously good chocolate company out to wear a silly hat and make chocolate um, and we had a wander around the um, in the Cargill park run course or a little bit of it and then last night we drove here to Ternau and just did Lake to Lake Trail park run in Ternau um, and it was wonderful yeah what did you here think of the course Oh, just, I was saying to Dwight and, and Saga, the, the two kind of co-EDs, like back in the day, you know, a long time ago, when I was kind of a sort of ambassador-style role as a, as a volunteer and a staff member at Partner back in the UK, you'd, you'd, I'd spend my life, as lots of ambassadors do now, going and meeting people at prospective courses. And you'd always be nervous about, you're meeting these people and they're really excited and you're worried that, oh no, is the course going to be okay? And how do you break it to them if it's not really okay? And how do you work? You know, usually you could kind of find a good course out of a, at most venues, but you'd always be nervous. And when you arrived at a course and saw it was like perfect, you'd be the most wonderful feeling. And if I'd been an ambassador helping here, it would have just been exactly that. You turn up and there's shelter and the car park's right there and there's toilets right there and there's a beautiful scenery with a lake um, and a lovely out and back gravel course that you probably never have to cancel for ice or anything because it's just a perfect surface underfoot and just wonderful and it was just you know they you know i do genuinely 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 believe that you know all part run courses are equal and people get a bit carried away with our course is the most beautiful and all that stuff which always annoys me um but of course you know some venues are just made for it where you think great we'd have to worry about how do you get from the car park to the to the start or where are the toilets or what it might be and this is just tick 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 amazing yeah, yeah when you've got mountain and lake views oh, and at the far end there's the takahe bird but you yes. were going too fast to, to notice <laughs> yes. 
yeah the take bird the the ag as i found we found out the agro take bird the tiny little thing with a territory of like a square kilometer or something apparently ridiculous that was pretty awesome though it's like yeah. it's a unique feature yes and yes. as we find you know all pack runs are unique yes they certainly are and from Tiano today, you're going to do another bit of a drive? Yeah, driving over, is it the Crown Range yeah. to um, Wanaka, which I'm really excited to go and see because, you know, because of my, tr- long time ago now, I guess, my triathlon background, um, I think it was Challenge Wanaka, wasn't it? It was the, was the big race that I, I mean, I never got to do, obviously, but I've always heard lots of great things about Wanaka. So I'm looking forward to going there, meeting the team there. Um, hopefully I'll get to, to run the course and run alongside the lake and then, overnight in Wanaka and then uh, Queenstown tomorrow see the Queenstown but that's Sunday see the Queenstown uh, part run community hopefully get a look around that course and then fly back to Australia Sunday night back to the UK on uh, Monday it's a very big trip yeah very short time. <laughs> it's a big trip yeah it's the longest I've been away from Helen and the kids but Helen and I've been together 20 years this year it's the longest I've been away from her and uh, the Rosie's are 12 this year and it's the longest I've been away from the kids so I do really miss them I'd like to bring them but they they argue so much <laughs> <laughs> one the day the tra- trauma of travelling all the way here with them I know we have talked about you know coming back for a family holiday oh, and I'd seeing more but... if I could teleport them here that'd be great or if, <laughs> yeah. if somebody could bring them here for me and yeah. me and Helen could, could kind of re- relaxingly travel here without the children and just meet the children here that'd be great I don't know um, just one final thing you've been the, part of the parkrun vision is to increase the number of parkruns we have in this country to 100 so are you excited to see that growth here for us yeah really really excited um i think new zealand's in an interesting place really in terms of parkrun development in that it's you know outside of the big four of australia south africa uk and ireland you know it's probably next maybe maybe new zealand and poland i don't know quite similar in that way but they're they're sort of quite well developed but there's a lot more potential to grow um a lot more potential here than than some of the other those other countries but also because it's quite well developed we can also start thinking about um about kind of increasing the sort of diversity and working around inclusion and so on so we've had conversations while i've been here over the last few days about things like prescribing park run you know we have park run practices in the uk and and you know, medical professionals being prescribed prescribe part run. We were just talking then about part runs in prisons. Not we've got no plans at all to bring part run to prisons in New Zealand. But you know, it's interesting to start having those conversations. Um, and so, yeah, we, we it's really really exciting. And I think as a global charity, we're now in a better position to support the growth of international countries. So we're 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 in a healthier state financially than we've ever been before. So we can we can invest. I think we've I think speaking for the Asia Pacific team. Uh, we're now able to waive all the startup fees in new, for New Zealand events and cover the cost of the defibrillators, which, which aren't that cheap. Which means if somebody comes to us in New Zealand now and says, "I'd like to start a part run," all they need really is permission to use, you know, a, a suitable course, permission to use that course, and enough volunteers, and, and we can support all the rest of it at no no cost at all. So we're very much looking forward to that growth. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, I look forward to coming back with the family once they start behaving. Um, and yeah, maybe run, maybe taking part in the New Zealand's 100th part run location. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. Now, on the podcast, they do like to ask oh. your top three park runs, not including <laughs> your that. home park run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't look, I can't do that. I, I think, um, what could I say? What are my top three things in park run? Well, I tell you what, we've always said park run's a race, not a run. I finished first today for the third time. So, in my entire park run life. So, I finished first at um, Bolton Park Run inaugural 
and then a Roosevelt Island in the US and here today. So they're my first, my favourite three park runs of all time are those are those three, <laughs> Bolton Park Run, Roosevelt Island Park Run and uh, Lake to Lake Trail okay. Park Run. Rebrand Park Race. Yeah, Park Race. <laughs> yeah, it's coming your way. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Tom. And let's go and get some coffee. Definitely. Thank you very much, Alison. Good morning, Parkrun Adventurers. It's Sarah here, back on the west side, travelled up to Carnarvon to Baxter Parkrun this morning. And this morning I'm here with... Renee, hi. Hi, Renee. Welcome to the podcast. So Renee is one of the RD's super volunteers here at Baxter Parkrun. Can you describe the course for the listeners, please? Um, being a Carnarvon local, I, it's, it's just normal for us, but it is a really specky part of the state. We're on the Carnarvon Facine, which is it's a, a footpath along like a seawall um, on the river mouth of the Gascoigne River. And, yeah, beautiful scenery this morning. We've had, you know, watching birds dive under the water, fish splashing around, and a nice, beautiful breeze. And it's a bit chilly to start off with this morning, but it's, it was only like 12 degrees or something. So. But, um, Double digits, it's good. Yeah. So we do two laps of the course, and, yeah, it's watching the sun come up, fish splash in the water. It's, yeah... But it's just normal for us, but um, no, it is quite specky. It's a beautiful course, and sunrise was 10 past 7, and we started at 7, so that was quite nice to watch the sun come up as well. Yeah. Um, if someone is travelling to Carnarvon, what are some um, sites, I guess, that they should be, um, or must-dos, things that they should tick off coming to Carnarvon? So Carnarvon, we're, we're sort of in between two World Heritage sites in, in the state. We've got the um, Shark Bay World Heritage area to the south. We've got the Ningaloo to the north. And Carnarvon is like the perfect little hub to sort of base yourself in and to travel out to those spots. To the east, we've got the Kennedy Ranges and further out Mount Augustus. Uh, in Carnarvon, we've got the Space and Technology Museum up on the hill. As you see the OTC dish as you come into town. We've got the One Mile Jetty Precinct out there. It's full of so much history and interesting stuff. And definitely the... Um, the fruit loop or the plantations and stuff along the river you can buy fresh produce from stalls and from little shops that are set up and this time of year from sort of march to october we've got the markets so the hardest part for me of park run this morning was to keep running and walking when i could smell the markets cooking oh. up a storm Is that <laughs> definitely, what wanted, definitely wanted to turn off and get a feed but nice. finish strong yeah, well, on my list today is the Cactus Garden out Beautiful. near the Fruit South, Loop. South River Road, yep. Yeah, pretty nice. excited to see that. Um, and obviously Baxter Park is the Western Compass Point in Australia, which is pretty exciting um, to tick that off once again yeah. um, for me. But lots of people, I assume, have been visiting to get that Compass Point. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So we started in December of 2022. And the first couple of weeks were just sort of locals. And after that, we've pretty much had visitors here every single week since then. Um, people who've had their statesmanship, but then once Baxter Park Run started up, they've had to add this one to the add this one as a, a notch in their belt. But um, lots of visitors coming here. Um, we're told today that there's people here who've been international. They've been to eight different countries doing Park Run. And, um, yeah, ticking Carnarvon off the list. So, yeah, nice. I haven't actually done any other park runs, but this is my favourite and um, definitely recommend. Definitely, and I'd agree with that. To get up here, to tick off your Western Compass Point and to, um, yeah, explore the, the huge area that is up here and the World Heritage area. Yeah. Thanks, Renee, for talking to us today. No worries. Thanks for coming to Carnarvon. And what a great lot of roving reports featuring Sarah, Sarah, Sarah and Alison. <laughs> of course, we heard from Helen and Stephen Davis, Stephen, our 3D printer extraordinaire. 
And Harry, I hope you're listening. Hope you're doing well and happy birthday for the other day. Of course, of course. And we also had uh, Tony Jennings there and the coup, Ollie. Well, yes, Tom Williams, very topical, (laughs) but um, with a bit of a different take on his top three. Do we accept it? Um, (laughs) Fastest. Was it first finisher? Yeah, first finisher top three. Yeah. That's how you weasel out of a question. Um, (laughs) It made it easy for him to choose three, I think. That's right. Yeah, no, I think perfectly reasonable. But, uh, yeah, Tom, it's not a race. (laughs) But also nice to hear from Renee and Sarah Harper Baxter. Mm, But, Ollie, we've got mail. You've got mail. And first up, we've got an email. We received this a couple of weeks ago and it's been languishing at the bottom of our in-tray and has made its way to the top. So it's Johan who said, an index or a club. Howdy, Team Parkrun Adventurers. Following up on my email of last week, I did do some further thinking. As you may recall, I use references to both index and club as I really wasn't sure which would be best. But taking into account the majority of clubs chase a specific number of runs, events, things, etc., I'm pretty sure that this is not where I was going. Every number should count and have value, and it is also not about reaching a specific count first for naming rights or ever. Hmm. I may have been a bit reluctant to call it an index because most of the parkrun indexes are sometimes very complicated, giving the impression that an index should always be multidimensional. But some basic research indicated that an index is, in simple terms, just a number showing change in level of something. So I'm happy with calling the number of different volunteering location the Adventeering Index, AV Index, because it shows the progression from volunteering at zero events and over time will show the change from that somewhat undesirable state to where parkrun adventurers are able to spread their love for volunteering as they adventure all over the world. How long that takes and if that index count eventually is 1, 5, 10, 33, 55, 74 or 100 plus is up to each and every one in their own good time and ability. Hope that makes sense. Have an awesome week, Johan. Nice. So a bit more clarity there, Ollie. Yes. I like the adventeering index. I like its fluidity, Mel. But uh, naturally, I'm I'm very early in my progression through that index. But there are some um, yeah some wonderful adventuring uh, volunteers out there that I'm sure could recount some great experiences. I was just going to say, I think you were away when we discussed that, weren't we? <laughs> but I do recall it. Yes. Okay. Uh, but Mel, we've got some more mail. We've got quite some more mails. But uh, another thing we have been inviting feedback about in our recent episodes is. What is our, our, you know, our intro, our summary, our mission? Um, and we've had some great feedback, but we've also heard from Heather Hunter with another good suggestion, Mel, who said, Hi, Mel, Ollie, and the esteemed office lady. I went to the Facebook page to double-check the email address to send a first draft suggestion for an intro and noticed the page description, screenshot attached. Podcast about life, if your life is all about parkrun. We love a parkrun adventure. Is that new? If not, it seems a perfect intro to the pod. Far better than my overly wordy attempt. I'll include it for your amusement anyway. And there's a laughy, smiley face emoji there. And said attempt is, Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers, where we discuss everything parkrun related 
but mainly parkrun tourism, or adventuring as we like to call it. While not an official parkrun podcast, we hope to enhance your parkrun experience by sharing your stories and helping you connect with other parkrun adventurers through this pod and our social channels. I'm not always a responsive listener, but I thoroughly enjoy every episode. It's usually an hour a week when I'm guaranteed to smile from start to finish. Thank you for all your time, effort, and fuel budget. Heather Hunter, A760611. How funny. It's been there staring us in the face, Ollie, all along. <laughs> well, it's it's good to explore these things and uh, <laughs> and, and then have such realisations. <laughs> Thank you, Heather, and then thank you for writing in. But we also heard from Beck Bailey, Ollie, and this came to us via Messenger, and it answers my question a couple of weeks ago, again, when you weren't here, where Sarah and I um, rather ashamedly didn't know the name of the place Beck was overlooking in her photo. Mm. And it reads, hey, team, great pod once again. Just thought I'd help answer some of those questions you had regarding my last message. I did the classic four-day Inca Trail hike, which has views of Inca ruins all along the trail and finishing with the iconic Machu Picchu, the one that was in the picture. Machu Picchu is a 15th century Inca citadel located in the Sacred Valley of southern Peru and is 80 kilometres northwest of Cusco City. It is often referred to as the Lost City of the Incas and sits 2,430 metres above sea level. It is one of the seventh wonders of the world and the second one I have visited, and in brackets, the Colosseum in 2015 Mm. being the other one. For reference, Mount Kosciuszko is the highest point in Australia at 2,228 metres and thank you, Mount Cook in New Zealand is 3,724 metres. The highest point along the Inca Trail is a section known as Dead Woman's Pass at 4,215 metres above sea level. Since listening, I have zoomed on top of Rainbow Mountain, 5,036 metres above sea level, and stood on top of... I can't say that. A mountain in Bolivia. Chacatea? Chacatea? Something like that? Thank you. 5,400 metres. Beck, you can correct us later. (laughs) Sorry, I'm interrupting. Yes, Sarah, I am looking at one day going to base camp in the next few years and we'll have to see if any of this high altitude helps with the Schlaber Hills on my return in August. I haven't been running over here, but a week after my return in Australia will actually be my first city to surf. Thanks for the pod. Love listening on my travels. Beck reporting from Unisalt Flats in Bolivia. Well, thank you, Beck. And, Belle, I have just realised that my pronunciation of Araki comes from reading the signs in New Zealand, so I've got no idea as to whether that's correct or not. <laughs> that's your made-up-in-your-head pronunciation. <laughs> that's right. That's what you're telling that's me. That's right. That's <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, look, having seen a lot of Beck's photos and and uh, experiences over in south america i must admit i i and you know, having not been on social media a lot lately um i think one of my reasons for wanting to avoid those pictures is i'm insanely jealous as a tintin fan growing up um the lost city of the incas was was something i always wanted to go and visit and um just looks amazing it absolutely does and thanks for clearing up some of those questions for us beck that's right 
But Mel, let's keep going. We also heard from Jason Andrews, who said, hey, Mel, Ollie, and the office lady. Just a quick note regarding the podcast intro chat. I just want to throw a suggestion into the melting pot. There have been a few excellent readouts of what Parkrun Adventurers or adventuring means to the listeners. But being a podcast, I feel you need something punchy. So on to my suggestion. The podcast about Parkrun and the places it can take you. Now I've sent that, I can stop thinking about it and head off to Dixon Field to increase my Wilson Index to 10. Hope you enjoy the week away from the pod, but very much looking forward to the next instalment. Cheers, Jason. That's another good um, option. I like that. The places it can take you. Mm. Punchy's good. Yeah, Yeah. punchy. Yeah, we're looking for punchy. It gives me less chance to fall over myself, so that that helps. (laughs) And lastly, on the emails, Ollie, we have a last-minute edition from People White. And the title of this one says, I am squared from 4 to 13. Now, it will become apparent what she means. Hi, Mel, Ollie, Sam, and the team. I have finally made it from four, four-letter park runs, all the way to 13, 13-letter park runs. I have 11, 14-letter park runs so far. Thank you for the challenge. Love, P. So that's amazing that she's got <laughs> that far. What a collection, Pippa. I have to admit, Ollie, I have been tracking this one too. Mm. I've got a spreadsheet. Oh, well, you know, don't we all? But I've got <laughs> I've got a sheet for this particular challenge and uh, every week I diligently open it up and add the park run of the relevant week and it's, it's letters in its name. But I haven't got very far because I haven't got four four four-letter park runs. Of course, yes. Mm. And Mm. if it's an index, you know, it it sort of helps if you have the first one. (laughs) Given the progression, yes, yeah. Mm. Mm. But I'm working on that and I should add my third four-letter park runs very soon. Oh, it's a bit of mystery there, Mel. I'm I'm intrigued. Intentional. Mm. Okay. Well, look, thank you, Pippa, and thank you, everyone who wrote in from the suggestions to the experiences and and just the impressive feats. Uh, it, it has been nice to catch up and hear from you all. But speaking of catching up, uh, as promised, our office lady did a bit of catching up with our shipwreck parkrun co-ED, Phil Gore, who just happened to run 102-odd laps <laughs> In uh, the Dead Cow Gully Backyard uh, Masters Ultra there. So I think it's probably time to hand straight over, after which we're going to hear from Rachel with Club Corner. Hello, listeners. It's the office lady here in the comfy chair on level two with a view. And today I'm chatting with Phil Gore, the brand new world record holder for the Backyard Ultra format. You might recall I interviewed Phil back in episode 279, a couple of weeks after he'd won Herdy's Front Yard Ultra with a run of 50 loops. Things have got a bit more serious since then, but let me start by saying hello, Phil, and welcome back to the Parkrun Adventurers podcast. Hello, Sam. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Congratulations on your amazing win at the Masters. For those listening who are not familiar with the model, with the Backyard Ultra format, can you briefly tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so basically it's a 6.7K loop and you do one loop on the hour every hour. Uh, If you fail to finish it in time or you choose not to start the next one, then you're out. 
and uh, the race just keeps going and going until there's only one person left. And in your case, your world record took you four and a quarter days to run 102 loops or yards, depending on which country you're running in, I think, which is kind of mind-boggling. One of the things that a lot of people are curious about is when you're running for that long every hour on the hour, how do you manage really basic things like eating, sleeping and showering? Could you explain a bit to us about how the routine works? Uh, yeah, so uh, a crew is really important. So they kind of look after everything else and I just need to focus on running. I'm also very methodical with my planning. So I have every hour mapped out. Um, it's got what I'm going to eat that hour. You know, I've, I've put in when I'm going to have a shower, when I'm going to have a sleep, all of that's all planned out. And I only really need to think kind of those uh, two or three laps ahead and just look at what's on the plan my crew knows what's on the plan, so they know what sort of food they need to prepare for me. So, yeah, I just I just go out and I, I do my run, and while I'm out there running, my, my crew is either there prepping my food or prepping the things I need for my shower or prepping the things I need for my sleep. And so when I come back in, it's just, you know, we've, we're just ready to go, do what we need to do in that 20, 15-minute period and get back out there again. So I can understand the idea of a 20-minute period of time to get a shower in but how do you get a sleep in in 15 or 20 minutes yeah I think there's a, a bit of a, a knack to it like I've been doing these events sort of three years now this was my ninth one and each each event I do it just seems to get that little bit easier uh, so meditation helps and noise cancelling earphones help and it's just it's just about I kind of don't put that pressure on myself to have to sleep it's just about lying down, closing my eyes and meditating. And then if I sleep, then that's a bonus. And yeah, as I said, the more that I've done these events, the more often I'm actually getting into that that sleep stage. So it's, it's not a lot of sleep, but it's any little bit that you can get help. So That's very impressive. So as I said, the world record is an astonishing 102 loops and you achieved it at the Masters with an assist from Sam Harvey, who's from New Zealand, and his previous PB was 46 loops. So he clearly went a long way over what he'd done before. Can you tell us a bit about the experience of that pointy end of the event where Sam was way out of his comfort zone and I would say you were well and truly honed in on chasing that world record? Yeah, so so Sam's PB, it was yeah in, in the 40s or 46, whatever it was, um, just because he, he was kind of in a similar situation to me in Australia. He just hadn't had that assist to, to push him further. So um, when he came into the event, I, I certainly didn't underestimate him. I knew that he, he had the potential to go a lot bigger. But, yeah, as, as it kind of got to those um, sort of in the 90s when it was just down to the two of us, there were a few laps where his crew had talked to my crew and had asked me to, to run with him just to get him through to sunrise. So, yeah, I dropped my pace back and ran with him for a little bit, helped get him through. Um, sunrise came up. He, he seemed to improve a little bit. Uh, but then a few laps later, he was uh, kind of struggling again. So again, I dropped my pace back with him. We were, we were kind of nearing on that on that world record. So I, I, yeah, I thought I'd drop back with him just to make sure he was kind of safe to continue through each lap. I didn't want him sort of collapsing while I was well off ahead. So yeah, we worked through through little laps together. We got to equal the world record, and yeah, I think. As much as his mind wanted to keep going, his his body was done and so he tapped out at 101 and I went on to get that one one more lap needed to break the world record. 
Yeah, just amazing. And was that kind of an agreement? Like, were you getting him to the 101? Like, was that a sort of pre-decision that you both made? Uh, it, it, we kind of just take it lap by lap. So yep. I, I knew that he wanted to, to get to the world record. Um, for me, you know, I thought it would be pretty cool to get to the world record as well. Um, and yeah, when he, when he was kind of, he came in, uh, having breathing difficulties at lap 98 and then I was, I was actually quite surprised that he, he lined up to, to run lap 99. And I just thought, you know, we'll just, we'll just take this one lap at a time. You know, if you're prepared to keep going, I'll stay with you and see if we can get you through this lap. And then if we can get through that lap, then we'll we'll look at the next lap and we'll just sort of see how long you can hang on. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole point of the format really, isn't it? Just line up for each lap and see what happens. Yeah, I think you really need to break it down into those just one lap at a time, especially when you get to the pointy end. You don't want to overwhelm yourself thinking too far ahead. Like for me, it's like I, I had the world record as as like a point on my plan, but it was never like... I have to get there. Like it wasn't like an end goal. It was just like I'll just keep taking it lap by lap, and eventually, if I if I keep following the process, you know, we'll we'll get to the world world record when we get there. But you can't sort of rush these things. No, that makes sense. Now I know that a lot of our listeners were pretty much glued to their phones or computers over the four and a quarter days, me included, that you ran around in circles. I saw you say at the presentation that, not meaning to brag, but you could have gone out and run another loop. You were acknowledging the point that it is the assist that leaves absolutely everything out there. So I'm curious, Phil, how far did your plan actually go? Uh, So, yeah, my plan went up to 143 hours. And the reason I have it go so far is because I want to have it at a point where I don't think the event's going to go to because – if I had my plan, for example, to the world record, then once we're past that world record ter- territory, you know, I haven't got a plan of what I'm going to do then. I don't have the food I need for those laps. So my attitude's always been just plan well beyond where you think you're going to go because with this event, you just don't know how far it's going to go. So you don't want to get to a point where you, you thought was, you know, an adequate point to plan to and then, you you know, being in new territory and, not have a plan for it. Now, in an interview on New Zealand television, Sam said he's going to Biggs, which um, I might ask you to explain to us in a moment. But he said, and I quote, I know I'm going to win it. Personally, I found that a bit hard to listen to, Phil, because I feel pretty confident that you're going to win it. Um, But Sam's just gone on and, and won Crazy's Backyard Ultra a few days ago with 43 yards. What impact does Sam's confidence have on your own training and preparation for bigs? Is he your biggest threat or do you think there's still a whole lot of potential for even bigger numbers to be achieved by that worldwide backyard community? Uh, yeah, he, he's certainly confident, um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't change how I approach my training or, or my strategy. Uh, I've always been about just worrying about my own plan, worrying about myself, and not getting caught up in what other people are doing, um, how how well they're looking, or even how they might look like they're they're suffering because you just never know they they could be in that point where they're really really suffering, but they they still got another ten or twenty laps in them, so. It's always just, yeah, just just focus on my own thing. Uh, my crew just focus on on what I'm doing. Yeah, don't don't get caught up in, in everything else. And as as long as I keep doing that, as long as I keep following my process, then I can only ever do the best that I can do, and that's not going to be affected by um, anyone else's performance. Yeah, that makes sense. 
yeah. As far as going into bigs, uh, there's there's certainly going to be a lot of competition there. So I think the Belgians who who had the world record uh, before I broke it, so um, Evo and Merin, when they got to 101 and they both chose to tap out together, um, they certainly had a lot more left in the tank. So I think they're probably going to be the, the biggest competition. But there's going to be people in other countries who, you know, they might have only done, you know, 40, 50, 60 laps, but they're, they've got their national record. So they just haven't had that assist to, to go further than that. So as we saw with Sam, who, you know, he'd, he's, the most that he could have done in New Zealand was 46 um, just because he didn't have that assist there. There's going to be plenty of other people in, in the same boat in other countries who, you know, their PB is their national record and come into to the world stage and to be able to run with people like myself and Sam and, and the Belgians that they're going to have that opportunity to, to run that far again. And just having that a big number of, of athletes who have, you know, done over that 70, 80 and yeah, even 90 and 100 mark, um, there's definitely the potential for it to go really big. Yeah, and it's called Biggs. Can you tell us what is Biggs? Uh, so Biggs is the original backyard where uh, the guy Lazarus Lake uh, came up with the concept. So it's actually in this guy's backyard. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of just started out as, as, a, as a sole event. And then as, as the format's kind of grown and uh, been replicated uh, all over the world, so it's in about 50 different countries now, uh, that Biggs backyard kind of became the home of, of the world championship. So every second year, your top runners from all around the world head over to Tennessee to Biggs Backyard to meet up and and fight it out to see who can be the last one standing. And when is that? Uh, that's in October. And how excited are you exactly? Yeah, so th- this has been a, a run that's been on my radar for a while now. So I actually tried to get there um, about two years ago and just with the, the whole COVID climate and stuff at the time, it, it just proved impossible to, to get there and get back. So I had to, um, even though I had, had the invite, I had to turn it down. But, yeah, this whole, like, sort of two-year period since then, it's just been, that's been the focus to, to get over there and get to compete at Biggs. So. Very exciting. Phil, I know I speak for all of our listeners, and I reckon I speak for the whole of Australia when I say the very best of luck for you at Biggs in Tennessee. We'll all be cheering you on, and I look forward to chatting with you again after the event to hear how it all went. Thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is Rachel with Club Corner, where we talk about the what and why of parkrun clubs, and I am coming to you from Arinda Country. Today isn't really about a club, but rather more about what we do at parkrun, Today I'm going to talk about 22 and what it might mean to you. Each parkrun country is a little idiosyncratic, and within countries we have traditions and activities that are special, and specific, to each event. Whether it's super dupers in summer, or onesies in winter, some have a PB bell and others wear capes, each event can do different things. One parkrun activity though that is growing in its commonality within Oz, is wearing a tutu on any Saturday that is a 22. And in a stunning piece of scheduling, July 2023 sees us hosting another parkrun day on a Saturday that is a 22. Why do some wear a tutu? Because it sounds funny, and we love Richie Benno. We don't know of any courses that have pushed for 22 laps, but surely we can all get behind a tutu on 22. 
maybe Mel and Ollie will share some of the parkrun sites that they have seen. And remember, in parkrun life, all non-milestone clubs are unofficial and unsupported by parkrun, so stay tuned for our future club corners. And that was great to hear a little bit more about Phil's experience at the Backyard Ultra, and we wish him all the best. In October, we will all be glued to our seats again for Big's Backyard. But Ollie, Rachel's asked us about our tutu experiences. Yes, and we're just referring to the park run tutu experiences here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have other sorts? <laughs> Maybe this isn't the platform. Well, uh, Palm Twenty Three was one of those. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, look, I suppose on a sad note, I did have a favourite pink tutu that I had acquired for Parkrun and uh, was put into use every year when we had a pink theme at Shell Harbour Parkrun. I don't know what my girls did with it, but it's gone. Oh, you've lost Um, it. I've lost it. I've lost it. But that's why, of course, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to borrow a tutu last year when we had our frond the day before the punish at Bathurst Park Run. Oh, that was a tutu day. That was a tutu day. Yes. I believe so anyway. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was perhaps the reason we were all in tutus. No, I'm yes. pretty sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, tutu experiences. Oh, I've worn that many. I've got them in every <laughs> colour of the rainbow. <laughs> worn on many, many, many occasions over the years. Um mm. I just thought everybody didn't. I didn't know it was an Australian thing. <laughs> no. Well, hopefully we can we can export it, you know, like Vegemite and Tim Tams and all those good things. Absolutely. Speaking of good things, though, how are we doing in the Adventurers Club report? Well, the Adventurers Consolidated Club report for Saturday, the 15th of July, 2023, of a total of 437 members, 347 took part on this date in nine countries across 182 locations. There are adventurers at 24 events in the UK, three in South Africa, and one each in Denmark, Germany, Ireland, Norway, and the USA. Locally, we had adventurers at 41 events. In Queensland, 37 equal in Victoria and New South Wales, hmm. 12 in South Australia, 7 on the North Island, the, the WA, 5 in WA, ACT and Tassie had 4 each, 3 on the South Island, which was helped out by Alison and Tom Williams. The largest frond this week came to us from the greatest state at Kilmore Racecourse Walking Track, where seven adventurers took to the field. Jordan Fusel, Brendan Peel, Greg Moore, Nicola Wright, Dawn Branton, Wendy Glenn and Lynn Hewson. Well, equal, huh? 37 each. Yeah, we both got pipped. <laughs> now we have to band together and Queensland is the common enemy. <laughs> <laughs> is that how it works? But it's not a competition. Not a competition. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm only kidding. But uh, no launches in Australia while we were away. No, but we had one in New Zealand two weeks ago, Ollie, and because we didn't do a pod last week, it hasn't been mentioned. So I thought we better make note that Gordon Spratt Reserve on the North Island had event two this last Saturday. Welcome to the family. But moving right along, being that 
the time is ticking away. It's time to look forward, Ollie, looking forward to City to Surf and announcing where we're going to be for our frond on that weekend. Yes, because I believe technically we haven't announced it, have we? We've maybe muttered a thing here or there. So would you like to do the honours, Mel? (laughs) I can't actually remember. We might have said it, but in any case, (laughs) on Saturday, August the 12th, if you are in the general vicinity and would like to come along and join us, we will be at Centennial Park Run. Yes, which is very handy because bib collection, if you don't already have it, and if you're doing the city to surface, just down the road in Moore Park. And uh, I have just seen a reminder today advising people to try and get there early on the Saturday if they do want to collect their bib and can't make it on a day prior. So very handy that Centennial starts at 7 a.m. Oh, yeah, don't forget, go Mm -hmm. a bit early. Mm -hmm. I paid for postage, so hopefully my bib will be turning up in the coming weeks. That's absolutely right, yeah. So that's coming very soon, but what is coming even sooner It's Ugly Christmas in July, this Saturday. Yes. So everybody get out your ugly Christmas shirts and singlets and wear them along to your local park run. We want to see Dazzers flooded with (laughs) ugly while everybody celebrates. Don't forget to stick your tutu on too because it's the 22nd. Do some colour matching. So many things. Yeah. I think I'll go with my latest edition ugly T-shirt, which was the reimagined that I got this last Christmas? Yeah, I feel that uh, I haven't honoured my my gingerbread enough, so maybe I'll have to try for that one. And um, mm, mm. I dare you to find a brown tutu. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound easy. No, I don't think I've ever seen one, just quietly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for stitching me up, Mel. Yeah. No, that's that's. Going in the, the long list of failed challenges for Ollie, but uh, <laughs> needless to say, I will be festive and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, mind you, it's a bit bit of a, I guess, conflicting emotion because right now I just I just want to wear my Matilda's shirt because uh, I'm getting slightly distracted with the World Cup. So I will enjoy pausing that for a bit of festivity though. They did play in Melbourne while I was away, the Matildas. Mm. Did they not play France and win? They um, did. Is is that what we might term a friendly? That is what we might term a friendly. That's exactly oh, look right. Look at me learning the lingo. Oh, you're all set. You're all set. <laughs> I'll be I'll be having to to ask you to calm down and stop yelling at the ref when we are. <laughs> yeah, just wait till I get my beanie. Yeah, please that's don't right. be sold out. Please don't be sold out. <laughs> but uh, yes, so yeah, Ollie and and perhaps even Mel will be slightly distracted with the FIFA Women's World Cup that's getting underway down under mm. and across the Dutch. Mm-hmm. But um, Mel, there's some more excitement uh, with your your festive wear and your tutu, and that is um, where, where are you going to be wearing it, sorry? Well, <laughs> every week can't be a big adventure, Ollie. This is the thing. Yes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we have to come back down to earth, and this week I will be visiting Altona Beach Park Run, so I will be staying relatively in my general area and working on my P-Index and celebrating a fellow adventurer's 250th. So Nicola Wright, who is one of our Ah. adventurers, is going to be, yes, 
chalking up that milestone at Altona Beach. No, I, I am a big fan of, of your staying local, Mel. I hope that you enjoy it. Um, a sleep in of sorts, perhaps. Yeah. I'll be doing the very same. I think I might have at least two of my girls in tow this Saturday. So I wonder if I can make them festive. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, what kids don't want to pretend it's Christmas? Yeah, my my 10-year-old that's going on 16-year-old maybe. But, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Give her some jingle bells or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Hannah will come and help. Come on, Hannah. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, so I'll be at home. I'll be run directing before I go into state after that so um excellent yeah look that that was a that was a, a bumper packed catch up there but i think it's time we call it mel yep um and as always everyone you can contact us you can contact us at the pod whenever you like via facebook in this the socials or our email which is parkrunadventurers at gmail.com but that is it for another week and we'll see you all next week for more adventures Happy Ugly Christmas in July, everyone.